Hey listeners, welcome to SphereCast, a podcast all about technology, technology advice, technology inspiration, and how real entrepreneurs have used technology to build their businesses from the ground up. If you're wondering how technology can support your business goals, rest assured, our guests have been there and done that. Recent rise in the NFT popularity has brought original artwork back into spotlight. These days, owning digital art is all the rage, with people spending millions on pictures of tweets. But what about traditional physical artwork? Investing in artwork has always been shrouded in intimidation. Isn't artwork extremely expensive? Where would I even buy art? Indeed, when buying original physical artwork, where do you even begin? Luke here with Spearcast, and this week Sani and I speak with Emilia Distasio, Chief Operations Officer and Founder at Artscapey. The mission of Artscapey is to lower the barrier to entry into art collection. Within the platform, users can both purchase contemporary art and track the art pieces they own, including documentation and value. Artscapey is merging the worlds of fine art and complex technology, such as blockchain, to make the art world more welcoming to the new audiences. Amelia has always had an interest in art and art collection, a common thread through a relatively uncommon career path. Amelia thought she was destined for a job as an economist and pointed her life plans in that direction. However, when economics didn't pan out as expected and through several twists and turns, Amelia began building a business in the direction of that one common thread that is art. For Amelia, Artscapey is a place where her passion meets tech. And on the podcast, she dives into both passion and the technology as she reflects on her time as an entrepreneur. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amelia Distasio. Hi, everyone. Senya's here, and today we're thrilled to host Amelia from Artscapey. Hi, Amelia. How are you? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, Senya. I'm very happy to be here. Let's begin with an icebreaker. Could you share with our audience something interesting about yourself that most people don't know? Probably I would share then two points. Actually, I, I studied abroad, so I did my undergraduate in the U.S., uh, but then I took it a step further. So part of my idea with studying in the U.S. to begin with uh, was to really broaden my horizons. So I started studying Chinese, actually. Uh, and as part of that journey, I actually studied abroad abroad. So I spent the summer in China uh, doing summer courses as well. So uh, don't ask me how my Chinese is now. <laughs> it's gotten <laughs> extremely rusty. But but yeah, it was a it was a it was a great experience, and and I was pretty good at Chinese at some point. <laughs> wow, amazing! So you went abroad to study, and then you went abroad from abroad. Wow, exactly. That's, that's quite a funny thing. <laughs> amazing. We're off to a good start here. So I'm going to start with your most recent venture. So first of all, is it Artscapey or Artscapey? Like Shani said? Artscapey. I mean, that, that's what we're, going, what we're going with. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. So <laughs> so let's start with your recent venture. So tell us, what is Artscapey and what inspired you to start this company? Yes, I think it's nice to, to start from the, the, the backstory, really. So so, so the backstory there is um, basically being interested. I've always been interested in art, uh, looking at art, always been that thing that I always did going to, to galleries and museums whenever being uh, on broad, on travels, this sort of thing. And getting into looking at the art world, eventually collecting since, since a few years, not necessarily on a, on a museum scale or anything, but Getting into art, buying a few pieces, starting to understand a bit of the dynamics. And this is happening all at the same time as I'm spending time in venture capital. So I spent two, three years now in venture capital. So investing in tech startups, exploring the, the ecosystem as such, really. So getting, getting involved in things, mentoring, advising uh, startup founders and, and understanding what it takes to build basically a startup and these two experiences really so so observing some of the dynamics of the art world so the art world is has a couple of interesting dynamics to it so so one is it's not very digital so so the digital transformation as such of the art world is is quite far 
quite far behind. So it's one of the been one of the last movers to adopt any kind of online presence. Meanwhile, you of course you have millennials and and in, in general, we're used to looking at things much more from an online perspective. So there's that side of, of the world, but there's also the other side of the art world that has kept up a lot of facades and a lot of walls between people interested in art and, and getting into it. So it's kind of an intimidating field, if you will. And actually, so, so having been collecting since a while, observing some of these dynamics and, and at some point, you know, having built a bit of collection, but always being met with the same idea that you're feeling quite intimidated. It's always a bit of a standoff going into a gallery. It's, it's not easy to get into art. And we, we almost had this eureka moment and said, okay, enough is enough. We're going to try to solve this. So let's try to not just observe some of these things, but trying to, to really get to it, try to solve it. So essentially, it started as a, as a hobby project <laughs> uh, for, for, for us and a few collector friends, really. So we wanted a space uh, initially where people could interact, learn about art, uh, and, and basically lower the barriers to getting into to looking at art. And eventually, the more we talked to people, we talked to friends in auction houses, galleries, uh, other people interested in art, art advisors, and we understood how big these problems were, how, how problematic some of these dynamics were, and, and Artscape really grew from that. So the way I kind of initially start to describe Artscape, the easiest way from the consumer-facing side is that it's a sort of LinkedIn for the art world. So a space that connects people interested in art with the rest of the, the, the stakeholders as a, as a safe place to, to interact and to engage. But then in reality, under that is, is a big tech stack. So we're fundamentally a technology company that happens to be dedicated to art. So it's really passion meeting tech. Um, so art coming together in, in one space. And that's, that's Artscapey. Wow. That's quite a story. Fascinating to learn how you are bringing art to the, hopefully the idea is to bring it to the younger generation who are very digital and not used to the walking to museums. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If we can say that. Hope that didn't offend anyone and uh, hand it over to Senia. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Our, our mission really is, is to democratize the art world. So by democratizing, we, we want to make it accessible. So... So for anyone to come in and to learn about art, overcoming some of those barriers to entry, that initial intimidation, uh, getting into space to, to learn, but also to understand a bit more what, what makes for quality artworks, mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, even if it's, and it's not about having millions in your bank account or, you know, always spending a fortune at an auction or at a gallery, you can nowadays, you can buy a, a multiple of a very well-known artist at, at very accessible prices. So that's, it's part of, of trying to foster this idea of making it more accessible, a place where you can learn. And then eventually, of course, uh, trade, manage your collection and, you know, this whole host of tech features that sit underneath that. Amazing, amazing. I always find that, you know, when I go to museums or any art galleries, I'm always embarrassed to, to to be pretending to look at something and appreciating it because I always feel like, hey, I don't know if is this good, is this okay? The brush, you know, pattern is it yeah. that I need uh-huh. to be focusing on? What do I look at? And and quite often I, I like the the worst pieces probably, you know, that's that's what my <laughs> wife says to me. But anyhow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's exactly this I, idea that, you know, a lot of times you know, sure, an artist usually has a, has a point that they want to to make come across, but a lot of times they purposely leave things for the for the viewer to interpret. So it's it's to give something, but also to take something from from the art. I mean, the more the more abstract, the more this this kind of comes across uh, usually. And that's that's also one of the philosophies why a lot of artists will even name their pieces untitled because they don't even want to cloud your judgment in any way by, by adding that framework in your mind in which you 
you look at artwork. So it's exactly this kind of discussions we want to have. So for us, it's, it's, it's having that space to have those discussions. I like that. I'm definitely going to request my invitation. I've been to... Yes, do, do. I didn't do it before the uh, podcast because I thought, we'll, we'll do the episode first and then I'll go back. <laughs> okay, Senia, over to you. Thank you. Amelia, could you tell us about the product and its journey so far? Have you been involved in the process of shaping the product, its roadmap, and how, how is the process in selecting technologies? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think this is key to building any kind of tech startup or tech business, that you really need to, to be in it from the beginning, understanding what's going to be the backbone uh, backbone of the business, really. So brought in the, the understanding and, and having seen how other tech startups built their businesses. So, so building on that experience of investing in these kind of businesses, my my other co-founder, who is also my life partner, my husband, is, is has spent his career in running digital businesses. So he brings in a wealth of, of understanding from that field. Uh, so for us, it was to, to understand, okay, how do we build this in the most effective way? And I think a lot of people who are interested in building a tech business, they think, okay, I need to build every single piece from scratch. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think one of the, the key strengths of a, of a good entrepreneur is being able to, to, to understand how to optimize solutions, aggregating different solutions, bringing in maybe some of the skeletons done by others and expanding from that. So we started from, from a platform of uh, looking at a, what it looks like at first, social media. And then we said, okay, that's a big animal to build. There are a few players out there who have already built this animal. Why should we do that? We'll start from that. And then we're going to focus it on what collectors needs, what we initially wanted as founders. So every idea always stemmed from, okay, what are the features that gave me the most frustrations uh, as someone interested in art? And then we said, okay, we're going to build those tech features on top. And that's how this basically animal starts growing. It starts having arms and legs and, and you understand, okay, this is a good feature to add on and you draw on your network. So we drew a lot on, on network uh, in, in, in expanding the proposition. So uh, I've worked previously on a couple of projects within blockchain. I've always been quite interested in that. So that's been a whole chapter that we've added on to Artscapey. And we leaned on on the network to bring in some specialists to help develop this help develop this arm and, and blockchain in a sense to, to support the art world and tackling some of the, the issues in there. But I'll stop at this point to, to, to let you jump in. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. My next question is following up on the main challenges that you've tackled. Could you tell us some of the, you know, share with us some of the decisions and choices that you've made and settled on? Yeah, sure. So I think, funnily enough, it's, I think we were brought back to, to technology very quickly there. So um, as, as I'm sure all of you guys have heard of, I mean, it became a big storm, this whole idea of NFTs. We're back in the, the idea of blockchain. Um, so NFTs really, really blew up. And although that was something we had always had in mind to, to consider as part of Artscapey, at some point, if you look at some of our original planning documents, so, so things that, that, that predate this big storm, um, it was something we had in mind to roll out more or less year two, year three, let's say. But then uh, this thing exploded. Uh, we got interest left, right and center. And we said, OK, let's not instead of doing it year two, year three, we're going to deliver this now. So we did a big sprint to, to bring on this as a, as a chapter. And we, we found, we went back to our network. We employed these, these partners who are specialists in, in blockchain. And we delivered our first chapter of the, the blockchain saga, if you will, for, for Artscapey in three months instead of three years. So, so that was one of those decisions that we had to make. We said, okay, Sure, we had in, 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 in mind to go on a different roadmap, but then markets developed in another way. 
and let's let's prioritize that instead. So let's jump on that train first. So let's deliver that now. And, and that's what we started doing. So for us, the, the blockchain piece, of course, has the NFT side of it, but we're equally using it for certificates of authenticity. Um, so, so in the art world, just for the, for the benefit of, of everyone, is when you buy a piece of, of artwork, you usually, not always, but a lot of times you get a piece of paper that says, okay, this is genuine artwork done by so-and-so artist, and maybe it's an addition or it's a, it's a unique, it has some information. And essentially that piece of paper, which can be burned, lost, uh, whatever, is almost worth as much as the artwork in the sense that it proves that that piece of art is, is authentic. Um, so for those of you then who know a little bit about blockchain, this is a mm-hmm. great application of blockchain. So what we've developed is adding those certificates of authenticity. So an immutable record is built as an, as an NFT. And that's one thing that we're, we're offering in Artscape. And we delivered that in, in a couple of months rather than a couple of years. So it was one of those. And it really turned around a lot of things. So, so saying, going from being driven by, by another goal of saying, okay, we want to expand the user base. We want to, to maybe take it slow and easy and see, see where we are, test the waters a bit. We said, okay, we're going to deliver this tech feature now. Instead, we're going to give this big priority. And, and so far, that seems to have been the right decision to make. I mean, because it's only increased in, in interest uh, and the application, I think, has such great benefits for the art world yeah really seem to to be adding a lot of value to to our proposition definitely it was it was something i was going to ask you about that have you thought about bringing the solution in so obviously i wasn't aware that you're doing this because i have not been invited yet to the (laughs) (laughs) application so yeah exactly the this is one of the i think one of the I was going to say best use cases that have come out of blockchain that you could use it and uh, Absolutely. verify purchase. And especially in terms of, you know, some pieces of art that go for hundreds of thousands and millions at times, you know, so it's, it's, it's a great little handy tool to have because those paper things get old and they go away when you move house. Yeah. Or- yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, and so I think it's been a great application. So I've looked at, cryptocurrencies and blockchain applications for a while. And I mean, having come from financial services before, of course, it was something that I would look at in the in the perspective of looking at, at cross-currency transactions, cross-border um, interactions, etc. But I think this is such a great application to it because you have so many problems with this in the art world. Now, does it maybe solve everything? Possibly not. There are always issues that can be there, but we're getting a long way uh, on that journey to to try to to add a bit of trust to to the art world. So, I mean, I think it's very clear if you look at some of the um, the biggest uh, artists of our time, uh, or or at least if you look at some of the the, the pop artists, so uh, Basquiat, Warhol, uh, Keith Haring, all those estates actually stopped validating any artworks. Because they go into so much problem of trying to verify uh, what is a genuine piece. And back then, and even now, if you look at banks, a lot of times things weren't necessarily numbered uh, correctly. They're not really sure always how big additions were, what was, what was gifted to collectors. And so that whole validation process has become a bit weak. And so for us to be able to, to add that kind of value as an impartial service so it doesn't work to offer this um you know as a gallery because anyway as as gallery a i'm not going to issue a sua for an artist of gallery b uh, because that's adding a service to them but as for us to be able to come in as a technology technological provider and, and offer that as a service uh, we saw that as as great value and really to to tackle this idea of how can we support the trust building in the art world and add that provenance trail and that track of authenticity. So I think it's been a really great practical application of blockchain. 
then, I mean, if we talk about the, the NFT chapter uh, in the sense of how probably most people look at it, so the application into to digital art. Uh, so NFTs as such is not you know, a new form of art as such. It's a way to add authenticity and ownership to digital art. Now, digital art has existed since a long time. Uh, so it's not a it's not a new thing. It's a way to, to certify how many editions are offered of this digital digital artwork, typically, um, which is the genuine copy. It's a giving credit to a lot of these digital artists that have struggled. So what happened before was you'd make this piece, it ends up on the internet, no one knows or gives credit to to, to the creator. NFTs come in, a great application of, of blockchain. It gives those digital artists a way to, to show authenticity. So it's another great application, but it's been very hyped, which has always been interesting to, to watch, but it's just a way to, to give some more credibility or, or authenticity to, to digital artists. Yeah, I remember this, this piece of news. By the way, it makes perfect sense. I read some news on BBC a few weeks ago. Somebody bought the first ever tweet from Jack Dorsey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was NFT proven and sold for $2 million, unbelievably. So there you go. There, you know, things are changing. I think digital, this is the future. And I think this, this is also being applied to a lot of the FIFA cards, the, the cards yeah. that, you know, we've, we've all collected growing up. They're all going digital now and people yeah, are yeah. building collections of these things. And, uh, there's a lot of use cases coming up now, and I think the the adoption is is only a matter of time. It's not an yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Okay, it seems like you have been on a journey, and I don't want to focus on artscapey journey only. So, let's say your working career so far. Would you say your you know most valuable lesson has been in this in in the last few years that you have been working and doing a lot of amazing things? Um, yeah, so I mean, it's been it's been quite a quite a ride. So so I started my 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 education and 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 line of thinking. I mean, since since probably a teenager, I wanted to become an economist. Uh, that's what I had my my mind set on. I, I studied economics in my in my undergraduate in my bachelor's, uh, and I went on to study it also in my master's thinking I would continue on to do a PhD. I would go into a central bank. I would set economic policy. And this was going to be my, <laughs> my value add to, to the world. I was going to uh, contribute to the betterment of the world through, through economic policy. This was my statement. I told myself I was going to do that. And uh, I was progressing on that path. I did the master's. And I actually went into to, to public sector work after that. So I was at the European Banking Authority for a while. So they the regulated the sets, the, the rules for the banking sector in Europe. Uh, I was there and then I moved over to the European Central Bank. Uh, so also looking at, uh, obviously, the Central Bank for Europe, setting economic policy for, for the European Union as such for the Eurozone. And that was interesting. That was fun. That was it got that snippet of what I wanted to, to understand. I think that the first point there where I didn't go straight to the PhD was to really see if I could trial, uh, to see a bit how these kind of institutions work. Uh, and, and that's really what I saw being at these public institutions. It was slightly different than perhaps what I, what I had in mind. I understood a bit more what goes into doing a PhD. And, you know, once you had a bit of a, taste of a working life that that idea of going back to study five years and live on ramen noodles just didn't seem that attractive to me anymore at that time and this whole idea of anyway a lot of research work uh, goes into writing academic pieces which although I found interesting and I even had uh, some some of my work published in in peer reviewed journals, even fairly decent ones. I just realized that that path wasn't really for me, and so so I moved in to to see how it would be on the private sector side. 
uh, still in, in a research capacity. And, and I had the, the, the fortune or misfortune to be the lead research researcher on Brexit. <laughs> oh, okay. Which was oh, which was which was quite a quite quite an adventure. So I was basically doing mind maps of ten different outcomes that be could be from the next decision, only to find out that of course the eleventh one is the one that happened in the end. So so that was quite quite an interesting journey. But again, I was missing a bit of touch with with. Not just seeing okay how are markets or 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 the economy going to develop, but what are the driving forces behind that? What what really sets innovation? What really determines how we how we interact as as at first from from an economy, but then even more into thinking about what what drives also consumer behavior and what. what what sets market trends? So that got me into to twisting the, this curiosity, if you will, uh, in looking at startups. So, so twisting the idea of, okay, running financial analysis and, and research uh, into assessing those businesses that could be those driving forces. Uh, so it got me into looking at startups, getting very involved in the, in the ecosystem. So participating in a few of these accelerators and, and eventually into, into venture capital. So very much from the, the highest kind of public institutions, quite bureaucratic, you know, really, I mean, seeing the benefits also of those kind of structures by, by all means uh, and moving more and more into to, to first private sector. So big, big companies in, in financial institutions with the financial sector, moving into the extremely obscure, I guess, from the from the financial uh, spectrum of, of things. So, looking at at startups, thinking about you know what what does it take to build a solid business? What does it take to build a solid tech business? Um, so, so observing that for for a while, and, and that then arrived into into entrepreneurship now. Uh, so I mean I'm always uh, keeping keep double dipping a bit in the sense of being involved in the investment side. I keep being involved as as a mentor because I like that challenge to see other projects than than my own than 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 you just to get the perspective and try to to add value. So for me, the the key point is is adding back to the to the ecosystem as well. And, and yes, it's been a really wild journey. So, and that's where I've arrived now. And I think I've never been as happy as I am now. So it's one of those where I've really never worked as much as now, but I've also never been, been as happy. And I guess that's the point. So you, you have to allow yourself to, to trial things. I guess if I could tell myself one thing, my, 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 my doctorate dream, though that was, was a nice dream probably I would have told myself to not be so so hung up on what you think you need to be doing or um that there's only that one path and and almost pursuing it ad nauseum like too much to a, to a certain degree so I was really said this is what I'm going to do there's not going to be any other way to do it um, and I'm not going to look in any other direction while I think life, your true, your true value, the two places where you can add value, develop over time, and that's probably one thing I would would have loved to to tell myself <laughs> back then. That's that's quite a you know good backstory you gave us there. So it's rediscovering yourself every time you get to some yeah. point, and you're like, okay, I, what's next? Let's do something else, and yeah, it carries on. So what is next after this? Or are you? St- is it too early to you know change this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, it's 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 too early. But at the same and at the same time, I, although it sounds probably like my journey has not really a clear thread to it, I think it really does because it's one about understanding, um, you know, what what drives market. Always being being curious of how to be on top of. Of market trends and, and think of how you build a solid business, which has been fundamental for me as a founder. But equally, I bring in 
a lot of those experiences, having been in a regulator and, and understanding how public institutions look at the private sector is hugely important. So regulation is coming to where well, it's coming has already arrived uh, for the for the art market, um, and that's something that we're looking at. Uh, we are currently developing that for for Artscapey as well. So thinking about how can we uh, support the art world with these regulatory requirements and, and basically future proofing the business by understanding how those requirements develop. Uh, so, and, 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 and understanding that I've really drawn on those experience having been in, in public sector and really at the same time understanding, never letting go of understanding what drives markets, what is competition doing, uh, which is vital for, for, for the company's success. Um, so what's next? I mean, now it's, it's the moon to the art, art moon and, then, and really driving this. I mean, we want to be... Uh, if you think of art, you think of artscape. That's 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 our goal. I mean, we we want to be that that technology provider, that that art partner. So if you're if you're ever curious about anything in art, you go on artscape, and that's that's our north star. So that that's really where we are. And I mean, I think we have an enormous drive to to get there. A lot of great great support, and that's what's next. It's 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 this drive. Yeah, yeah. So, message for our audience: think art, think artscapey. That's, That's right. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're moving on to the personal section of our podcast. Amelia, could you describe your typical day for our audience? Yeah, so I, I'd love to say that I have an answer to this. <laughs> I think I think the beauty and the, the curse of of entrepreneurship, at least for for where we are now, is that no day is the same. So every day there's there's a new challenge. There's an infinitely growing to-do list. It gets shorter and then it grows again. Uh, it's, it's a living, breathing animal that needs love, care, sweat, tears. And, and that, that's also the beauty of it. Um, in terms of structuring the day, I mean, to-do lists are, are probably my friend. They're, they're, still, they're still quite messy and... and they do get ticked off, but um, it's 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 a process, and uh, I think it's it's just trying to be leveled. So, so I have the 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 big fortune. I think one of the the best things as seeing with entrepreneurship and 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 dedicated founders is when you're able to be in a position where you're almost catering to yourself. So you've observed something, and now you want to fix it. And you have this enormous drive to fix it. And that's where I am. So also there, there is not a, a typical day and, and, and art is my life now. So yeah, maybe I close the laptop late on Friday, but Saturday morning, I'm in a gallery. I have to understand what, what's the latest going on, what artists doing, what is the latest trends that we should think about, talk to galleries, what are their, what are their problems? How are they trying to reach collectors? How are they spreading information about their, their, their exhibition. So, so right now it's, it's about living and breathing, breathing art. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm necessarily at that level of having a set schedule, like waking up 5.45, doing a smoothie, going for a run. I wish it was like that. And probably that is a great habit to have. Um, but I'm in, in my experience, that's not how art entrepreneurship has been. It's, it's, it's chaotic. It's it's trying to add structure where you can, take care of take care of yourself, but really trying to to make it fit in your fit in your life. So I try to be uh, conscious of keeping my mental health in in check. So I do try to make it a point to to exercise, and and I always typically use running as my almost meditation to to really clear thoughts and. A lot of good ideas and thoughts come from doing runs and walks. And, and it's important to take time for those things. I think it's important to also say, okay, now I'm going to, to close the laptop enough enough, enough for, for today. So that's something that I try to, to guide the day. But do I have a set schedule? Absolutely not. Will I have it in, in the next months or, or even years? Probably not. Uh, and and but I prefer it that way. I mean, for me, for me, it works. I'm sure for other people, something else works. Yeah. Um. So it's about finding that. 
I agree. I agree. I mean, we had a guest. She she goes to bed at 8 a.m. every evening. Uh, sorry, 8 p.m. What am I saying? 8 p.m. every night she goes to bed and then she gets about 4 o'clock at 3. Was it 3 or 4, Senia? Or Gochi? It's 3. 3. 3. She gets about 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Running a very successful company as well. But I think it's a myth as well that, you know, you have to do this. I think everyone has to find their own balance and, and whatever makes their, you know, mind and body in a, puts in puts mind and body in a good place for them to work the rest of the day yeah exactly i mean i admire those people that 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 can do that and i think for sure there are people that it works for but i think not all of us and i think a lot of times when you read about entrepreneurship it's like oh but if you're not waking up at 5 30 are you really serious and it's you you know it's like well, there, there, are, there are different routes to it. In the, in the end of the day, if you can drive your, your business forward uh, while also staying sane, that's, that's, that's what yeah. matters. Yeah. And, and art is, you know, being creative. You can't be very regimental in that too. So you have to just think outside the box sometimes. I agree with that completely. I support you in this argument. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Which actually segues perfectly into my next question for you, Amelia. If you could go back in time, let's say, to the beginning of your career, what's one advice you would give to your old self? Yes. So I think it's it's this idea of not setting yourself on a, on a, on a set target. Like, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to only do that. I'm not going to allow myself to look at other things. I think this was probably my my key key finding is it's about surrounding, and which leads me to my second point, which is, surrounding yourself with good people so surround yourself with people that you know give give you energy but that you obviously can also give energy to that you can support each other so I for example I did a sort of accelerator but it was more I, I jokingly called it a kind of a hippie MBA I'm sure sure people will not like it when I say that <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was basically a, a six-month uh, course to get together as a peer talk program so we all each held a class in thinking about how to how to run a business so it was everything from founder wellness to what goes into a term sheet to building a marketing uh, marketing plan all this kind of stuff and the point there was that it was all about being surrounded with those kind of people so getting energy getting ideas and not being afraid to explore them. So had I been my my 19-year-old self who said, okay, I'm going to do that economics PhD no matter what, even if I don't like what that then implies, I would have never gone for those things. But it's about keeping in, yeah, so I guess that that summarizes it. So saying to keep an open mind, you know, letting letting that personal growth comes come through. So rather than than saying necessarily, oh, I'm, I have to reach this, this mountain peak and I'm going to use only this one, one route to get there, saying, allowing yourself to say, okay, here are three mountain peaks. Let's start on the journey and in some way, maybe even halfway up the mountain, say, okay, well, actually, I like the right one more than the middle one and then going for that. Uh, but allowing yourself that freedom, so not siloing yourself or setting yourself those kind of boundaries uh, is probably what I would have said to myself. <laughs> I like that. I like that, definitely. I mean, <laughs> on a small scale, I do it all the time. So a lot of my friends would say that, hey, you know, you're doing this one day and then five days later you do something else. So I think <laughs> there is a balance. I'm, I perhaps do it like too early, you know, change things. But, I, you know, I think I, I find my success that way. So I could relate to that. Yeah, there's more similarities there. But, you know, people with different opinions, different ways of doing things is what makes this world a very interesting place and any business as well. So I always find if you have somebody contrasting around you, it always yeah. you, you always de-risk whatever you're doing because you have different perspectives. So it's, it, that's also important. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed your answer there. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to, you know, quickly, I think you talked about unwinding a little bit already you talked about running which is kind of your meditation are there any other particular practices that you follow right now like yoga meditation anything you've joined recently in in COVID times how are you keeping up with sitting home London it was under a lockdown not so 
long ago for, for a very long time. And I think a lot of people were frustrated only being allowed to go out for one hour or something a day with a dog or a cat. So yeah. How, how, how have you survived that? So, I mean, and so if I could self-impose discipline to do yoga, I, I would. And I tried it for a while and I did it, do it for sometimes weeks uh, consecutively and I feel great, but I struggled to stick with it. So I still get another sort of cleansing from the, from the running. So for me, be, being outside um, and, you know, breathing the, the fresh air, listening to my to my music and just being in that motion so basically in my little in my little zone and it's oftentimes it's metallica zone so it's it's even quite angry but it's <laughs> it's really my 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 source of energy um so i get those those thoughts and frustrations out and and that's really been a key key for me and it continues to be so, so that's one thing that's been hugely important. I did try meditation a couple of times, but again, I I struggled to, to stick with it. Uh, I would probably recommend it, and I try to recommend it to myself. But I also have to be, be honest with myself that if it's not something that's working in this moment of my life, and at the same time, you know, I'm feeling for the moment is relatively sane, you know, it's it's about finding what works for you. So, so I don't, I really don't believe in saying, okay, you have to wake up at four, do yoga until five, then you do this. You have to have that flexibility, understanding what works for you. So for me, although I think there are some great benefits to yoga meditation, it just doesn't stick with me in this moment. Running does. And I go running when I need to. I don't uh, say okay I only do running Monday Wednesday Friday it happens when when I need it and, and and that's for me been been one of the lessons so I'm I'm quite focused with my work if I if I have things to do and, and those really pressing things on the to-do list they have to get done uh, but but then it's about having that flexibility so if it's at the end of the day and I had in mind that I was going to do some exercise class I also do uh, I also have a couple of memberships in these kind of exercise classes but if that's not what's going to work that evening if the the evening calls for for popcorn and a film then that's what it's going to be and I think it's about listening to to yourself um, and and, and allowing that space because then in the end that for me is what leads to productivity uh, it's about understanding what you need and 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 doing that to to help drive further for the efforts i like that absolutely like that that you have to you know listen to your body and mind keep it in a good shape keep it happy and, yeah exactly and, and, and good things come of that you know it's very yeah simple. yeah, yeah. Sydney has a question for you, which I asked her to ask you. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're on the subject of the personal questions, Luke and I were not so much in the astrology, but we believe in spiritual, I don't know, existence, I guess. So we're both Tauruses. So we were wondering if you were one of us, if you were a fellow Taurus. I am, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but then after have to ask the point, what gave it away? And at point... <laughs> You just, it. You just felt it. I just, uh, I just sent a message. I said, you need to check this, definitely. <laughs> Here's another stubborn person. Okay, let's ask. Okay, yes, she's. <laughs> Brilliant. I found that pattern, you know, like things that I've been following and doing. So, yeah, I agree there completely. Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one, Senia. So, so we'll celebrate our birthdays together at some point. Yeah. Third of May. Yeah, seventh. Oh, I'm ninth. There we go. go. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Okay, great. Send your final questions for you. All right, let's do this. So we're the final part of our podcast. We may ask some of the tricky questions. Maybe they get trickier as we're progressing. So the last question that we have for you today is, what do you think are the top three attributes of a great leader in the current times? Ah, well, that's that's a great question. So... Uh, without thinking too much on a particular order, I mean, for for me, in thinking of running a business right now and building it um, from having had a corporate career before that, what we really try to bring in is a bit the best of both worlds. 
so so adding the structure of the of a corporate by having that nimbleness agility of a startup uh so so we jokingly say i, I think we should try to keep a balance of about 20% corporate and 80% startup uh which i think is about the 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 sweet spot uh, but this brings me into the the point i wanted to make is to say that we try to add a bit that structure so I'm a firm believer of having a coaching culture. Uh, so, so each of our team members, they, they follow a 100-day plan. They set targets for 30, 60, 90, and 100 days. Uh, and, and these are supposed to be you know, goals that help them develop professionally. And also I do them. Everyone does them. Um, and it's, it's really a core thing for us to, um, to ensure that everyone is, is constantly developing. So I think... As a, as a leader, you really need to have that there to empower your people and, and find ways for them to get challenged. And that's not just defaulting to say, okay, if you find a training course, go and do it, we'll set aside a budget. It's much more than that. It's understanding what helps you develop into a better professional and, and, ha- and giving that space. Um, so I think this kind of empowerment and, 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 and coaching definitely plays part of it. It's, and, and that leads me into, to, again, this idea of, of helping your, your team members develop their path with you. So we purposely let all our team members say, okay, I'm interested in, in doing this. Is there room for me to, to explore this more as a, as a task? So, again, there's that 80% of startup coming in, in place where we try not to silo anyone. So you might have been hired to do to do marketing, but we need a bit of input on thinking about how this form is going to look like. What would you like this UI to be? And we give that space for, for people to have their, their opinions heard. So I think that kind of weaves into it. So with this, this respect, allowing people to, to have a voice and, and weaving in that to your to your company progress. I think finally. One thing I would I would add is, is sticking with any any core values that you you said in the beginning. So we before we hired anyone, we really sat down and said, okay, what are the core values of Artscaping? What must be the things we never ever compromise on? What can we never take a shortcut in? What must guide every decision we make? And we came up with with four or five different different values. And we do not compromise on them. We keep with them. And indeed, we, we, run, we run a monthly town hall where I bring up those values every time. And I, and I ask the team, okay, are we, are we still working towards this? Are we still having this in mind? And not, not necessarily as you know, a reminder and say, man, you should remember to do these things. It's, are we, are we feeling this? Are we feeling like we're uh, also deviating from that? What can we do more to, to stay true to this? Um, and I think this is hugely important. I mean, setting those kind of those values early on um, rather allows you to steer the course in that direction and, and check back. Are we progressing towards that rather than starting? As, as often a startup, it starts quite chaotic and and at some point you say oh my god we are eight people I don't know what we're doing the people start to have their own views of how things should go and you need to backtrack at that point and you need to say okay okay we need to really set up what what makes us us so if while if you set that from the beginning you have that line that you keep referring back to and that's been really important I, I firmly believe that adds great value to, to leadership because aligning everyone to, to a common goal, but also understanding that it's something that everyone can, can agree. And if those values are set properly, uh, they can also be things that set your business apart. So we purposely also there, we made it a point to, to divide up things that are our core values and then in our hierarchy, we have basically aspirational goals and everyday goals. Or values, sorry, uh, aspirational values and everyday values. Um, so while both those are, are important, they're not necessarily unique to Artscape. So there are things that I think that everyone should, should abide by. So there are things like respecting each other, acting with integrity, 
and, you know, valuing diversity. For me, those are uh, things I don't even need to say out loud. They are just there. They're not necessarily unique to artscaping. But then we go into to the core values, and that's where we start to see things um, that really set artscaping apart. So without going into all of them, one of them is, is of course, keeping always an, an art focus. So everything we do is for the betterment of the of the art world. We're signing to, to, to help the art world. And we're doing that by, by enabling um, the art world through technology. I like that. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm a big fan of these values. I think whenever, as a person working for an organization, you, you are not sure what to do, there should be some guiding principles that should tell you, okay, that's the way forward for you. If you make this choice, it you know, take, it's it's taking care of all the values which you promised when you yeah, started exactly. here. And uh, it's always, you know, reminding these, I think, is a difficult task. So how you do these monthly town halls, I think it seems like a very good idea and not just enforcing it onto the people, but rather than having this group meeting to see if we are moving as an organization and, and keeping those values in mind. Or are we doing something really silly and somebody should say, exactly. oh, you did this, you know, it's completely against what we started for, you know, what we yeah. yeah, so I appreciate that completely. So, yeah, I mean, great stuff, great answers there. So thanks for those wise words. And with that, uh, with that, Amelia, we have come to the end, uh, come to the end of the podcast. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you and I think we would love to have you for episode two. Hopefully we can catch up, you know, in about not, eight or nine months, 10 months time and learn more from you where Artscapey is and how you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Luke, Zenia. It was great to, to do this with you guys. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to connect with anyone uh, offline and, and, and listen to more of your, your episodes. Thanks so much again Amazing. for having me. A special thanks to our podcast guests this week, and once again to our sponsor, Sphere Partners, for bringing this episode to life. If you enjoyed this episode, drop SphereCast a five-star review on iTunes and share this content with your network. For any relevant links or notes from this episode, check out our podcast website at www.sphereinc.com forward slash SphereCast. And always remember, when you think you can't, technology can. See you next time.